Come on, let's give some praise to a God that is better to us than we deserve. Hallelujah. 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 Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes and our ears and our heart of understanding to receive your word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to minister wisdom, to minister through your anointing, the living bread of life to us. We know that we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. May we receive that word this morning and be prepared and equipped to go into this week for your glory and for your honor and to thanksgiving be unto Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look around and look at these wonderful folks here. You know what? I was in the first service and I looked out and I saw such an amazing unity as we come together and I said this is just tremendous and then here we are in the second service and what they did is they really warmed the place up because I feel even more I feel such a unity of the spirit here that we've come together we've got each other's back amen we've come together to give God the glory and to honor and praise and worship him and study his word and be equipped and prepared and propelled into this week. I pray you have one of the most amazing weeks ahead of you that you've ever experienced in your life, that you have to go to a new page and a new chapter in your journal and just say, it gets gooder and gooder and gooder page. You just, God is good. I am praying that every plan of the devil would fail. Every strategy of the enemy would fall flat. You know, you ever open up a drink that's supposed to have some fizz and it didn't go, you're like, uh-oh, that was a dud. You ever had firecrackers when you're little and you and it just, a, and just a dud? I pray every plan of the devil would just be a dud this week. That no plan of the enemy shall succeed, but every plan of God should prosper in your life. I pray for protection in your coming and your going. Even as you're driving through this parking lot, I pray for protection as you go into this week. I pray in the name of Jesus that doors would be open unto you that no man can close, that God's uh, escalator of promotion, that you're going to get on the right step. You're not going to be on the escalator going down. You're going to be on the escalator going up. And it's going to be effortless. That Just the favor of God and the blessing of God and the plan of God is just going to lift you. Lift you up out of pain. Lift you up out of sickness. Lift you up out of bondage. Lift you up out of depression. Lift you up out of sadness. Lift you up out of mediocrity into all he has for you. I just feel a prophetic anointing of the Lord to declare. As Ezekiel... He said unto him, he said, what do you see? He said, I see a valley of dry bones. And God said, no, that's not what I see. He said, in order for me to see, for you to see what I see, you got to speak to those dry bones. And as he began to speak the word of the Lord, the wind began to blow, the spirit began to move, the bones began to rattle and shake and come back together, bone to bone, tendon to tendon, ligament to ligament. Then it was covered with skin. Then it was covered with life as our army was resurrected in that valley. I'm telling you what the devil told you is over is a lie. I'm telling you those dry bones will live again. Those dry dreams will live again. Those broken relationships will live again. I'm telling you, God's plan is going to succeed in your life. But speak the word of life. Speak the word of God over it. Take God's word straight from the Bible and speak it over it in the name of Jesus because all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. And I'm speaking to everyone who's tuned in. We have people tuned in all around the world. Be watching this. If you're not live, you'll be watching it later. We just take this word of God is without geographical boundary. It is without limitation. 
salvation. This is the supernatural, double-edged sword of God's word that will go into any situation, go into any country, that will go into any circumstance, that will go into any bondage and sever. I'm telling you, this word is for you out there that are tuning in by radio and television and in the internet, as well as it is for every living soul under the sound of my voice in this building, upstairs and downstairs. I'm telling you, God is declaring over us His heartbeat. We just got to receive it, believe it, and, and, and then repeat it. Hallelujah. You, if you believe it and you receive it, repeat it. You start saying, this is what God says over my life. This is what God says over my family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. I didn't, I didn't come prepared to say all of that, but I felt the anointing of God just said, speak it, speak it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now we're going to study God's word and be prepared this week to not let the devil steal it because let me tell you what, he comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. He's got a plan to get it back from you, but God has a plan for you to keep it. And we're going to look at that this morning in Jesus' name. We're going to be talking about it's the little foxes. It's the little foxes. I remember we moved into our neighborhood and we've been there about 15, 16 years now and used to walk through the neighborhood, used to drive up in our driveway, used to be driving in and out of the neighborhood and there were bunny rabbits everywhere, everywhere. And now you drive up and you never see a bunny rabbit anywhere. But as I've been walking now, for a year, I've been trying to go 5,000 steps, then 10,000 steps a day, and now I'm moving it up to 15,000 steps. So I have walked every inch of our neighborhood over and over. The neighbors think I'm stalking them. You know, they're, just, they're like, where? He just, he went around again. He went around again. And now all I see in our neighborhood is foxes, foxes, but no bunnies. I wonder where the bunnies went. We won't think about that very much. <laughs> But the Bible has something to say about the little foxes. How many of you have ever had adversity or challenges that has caused your faith to weaken uh, or lessen over time? You know, you, you were believing, but a challenge came or adversity came. And one of the things that drains our faith the most that, most that I've found is the problems that come in and exist over a long period of time. It just kind of wears us out, right? It's like a drain on the battery. Uh, I, I, I grew up on the water, I grew up fishing and hunting out in the swamps and the rivers and the lakes and all this stuff, and we always had boats, and our boats always served us well. So when I got married, I wanted to have my family experience what I did, so we went and uh, we bought, uh, you know, the best two days in a person's boat owner's life, life is the day they buy their boat and the day they sell it. If they can get any money for it, you know. And uh, we, well, we were helping be that second best day in a boat, boat owner's life. As we were buying, we bought a used boat. And uh, we didn't realize we were buying their problem. They, they had masks, and, uh, but it, it showed itself. And we got stranded out on the water. And we got all kind of stories to tell you. If you ever invite us over to dinner, we can tell you some stories, okay? And if you're inviting us over to dinner, just give us a little heads up and we'll give you a menu to prepare so we can enjoy this thing really well. No, I'm joking. I, I am joking because I'm trying to go low carb here. But, uh, so the, so, but yeah, we got some boat stories. That we do. And uh, so we uh, gave one boat away. We said, we can't sell this boat. It was a nice boat, but we said, man, we can't in good conscience sell this boat. So we gave it to a, a boat company that said they would refurbish it and sell it for a good cause. And, uh, you know, what it would go for a good cause. We hope they did that or, or else somebody else was doing, stranded on the water like us. 
Then we got another boat, and uh, that one seemed to be a little better, and then it started stranding, getting stranded. We got some stories with that one as well. And uh, so then I bought this boat uh, towing uh, service, kind of like a triple, AAA or something like that. And uh, once I bought it, the boat started behaving. It's like it knew. It, I don't know. They got something going on. I don't know. But nonetheless, we got rid of it anyway, and we joined a boat club. And when we joined this boat club, they got about 25 boats there, 30 boats, different ones, fishing boats, skiing boats, all kinds of different boats, cutters, and different things. And you just call in, and if it's available, you say, I want you know, this particular boat and, uh, for the day, and they'll have it gassed up and cleaned and ready for you. Just go get in it, go. But when you come back, the dock master says, there's two things you must do. You must refuel, and you must turn the battery off. So they showed us where they'd lift up the little hood there and there would be this switch, kind of like I got on the overhead here, this little switch that you would switch to uh, turn the batteries off. And there it says one and two green, so there's two different batteries on that particular one. But you turn it to the red off because there's all these little electronics and clocks and small little electronic devices that by themselves, they just, they just don't pull a lot of juice but because they consistently pull on the battery, they will kill the battery. And uh, so they don't require a lot of energy, and they seem insignificant, but because of that consistency, even though it's a tiny little bit, when the next people come to use the boat, the boat would not crank, the battery would be dead. I had a vehicle one time. Anybody ever have a 1979 Dodge Diplomat? Mine was burgundy and a white half vinyl top and a little engine in it. It was a big car with a little engine in it. It would, it would take, it was Fred Flintstone to try and get it out in front of, of traffic. You didn't do that. But it went through this season where I hated this car. And the reason being is the battery was always dead. It was so frustrating. I'd buy a brand new battery, put a new battery in it. I'd go out the next morning. It would be dead. I had to start leaving a trickle, trickle charger on him uh, to keep the battery charged so that in the morning I could crank it to go to work. And uh, it was so frustrating. I'd get to work, and if I was wor working a full day, I'd have to go out several times during the day on break to crank the car up and drive it around a little bit to recharge the battery so that I, it would crank to go home in the evening. I took it to the mechanic because I could not find out what it was. And the mechanic, they went over it and over it and charged me money and went over it and over it. And they could not find it either. I tell you, I started to hate this car. You ever had a car you just said, you know, I wouldn't care if I wrecked it. I wouldn't care if we got in a I don't want to get hurt. But man, this piece of junk, you know, and it was the dead battery. So it was so frustrating until one night, I don't know how I saw it, but uh, when I shut the trunk, somehow or another, it hit me that when that trunk lid was going down, the light was supposed to go off and it didn't. So I said, I wonder if the trunk light is not going off because who hangs out in their trunk? How would you know? Okay. <laughs> So I did took the battery out of that and found out, sure enough, the, the trunk switch was broke and the light was staying on in the trunk all night and that's what was killing my battery. So I fixed the problem, but it, and it was just a little tiny bulb, but it was the consistent drain, the, uh, the consistency of it that killed the battery. So I say it again, one of the things that will drain your faith the most is the small problems that exist over a long period of time in your life. We need not ignore them anymore. I'm here to call them out today because you're ready to, you're ready to, to handle the mountains. 
A mountain rises up, you got faith, you'll speak to that mountain, but you're letting the little hills and the foothills remain of the attacks of the enemy, and those are the things that the enemy is using to destroy your testimony. The Bible has something to say about this. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, in verse 15, the Bible instructs us to catch the little foxes, for it's the little foxes that spoils the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. And this is a fascinating love story in Solomon's uh, song, uh, and it contains many intriguing pictures. Now, you won't imagine this. You probably would never believe this. And Pastor Rodrigo probably says, stop right there. You don't have enough time to tell this story. But when she and I were engaged, I'm telling you what, that when I fell, I fell head over heels in love with my Romanian princess, and I'll just go ahead and put words in her mouth. She fell head over heels in love with her southern boy, Carolinian. Okay, I'll just put those words in her mouth and, uh, and pray they're prophetically true. And uh, we were so excited about our wedding that was coming up and everything that we actually on a Sunday night, we used to have Sunday night services, I think it was a Sunday night, we, we read back and forth. She became the beloved and I became the, the groom in, in the Song of Solomon. And we read that. I mean, I think back on it and I'm in so embarrassed. I'm like, wow, two TMI. I mean, that's some, there's some juicy stuff in the Song of Solomon. And we were reading it as the sermon back and forth. And she was smiling at me. and I was, We forgot the congregation. We forgot them out there all together. But... Uh, <laughs> But this fascinating love story that in Song, uh, Song of Solomon uh, has these amazing and, and intriguing pictures. And one of them is this beautiful vineyard in the early springtime. And the vines, how, no, don't put that one up. That's a, a, another picture. That's an ugly vineyard. No, no, I'll explain that in a few minutes. They did that in first service too. So you guys, my bad, you're, you're doing it right. But we'll come to that one. But there's this beautiful vineyard in the springtime. And, uh, but the vines are threatened by these little foxes that come in and eat the tender grapes before they're ripened. So there's no fruit for the, uh, the vineyard owner to, to be able to get. And that's, that's uh, the plea here is to capture or take hold of these little foxes and prevent them from spoiling the vineyard. And it's an obvious spiritual application uh, here for us that there are the subtle dangers or the so-called little sins uh, that undermine a believer's love and service for the Lord. That God, that the enemy is trying to break down this great love relationship between us and our God, and he's doing it with little foxes or little sins, that if they go unchecked, let me tell you what, it gives the uh, adversary just enough room to come in, position himself, and destroy our vines. Solomon calls our attention to these little foxes that spoil the vine, and it appears to be a warning that God has given us through His Word for us even today that there are the little things in life that get us down. It is those little microscopic things that begin to bring destruction in our homes and destroy our relationships and even stagnate the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, perhaps we spend uh, necessary time praying as we do and, and get all prepared when Satan enters in like a roaring lion. 
Boy, when we see him coming like a roaring lion, man, our faith rises up and we're warriors for Christ and we understand that. We get equipped, make sure we equip with our spiritual armor and, and we expect the battle. But let me tell you what, the enemy more than come at you as a roaring lion, he has another strategy and he'll come in as a little fox, a little situation one that we don't even find that we're adequately prepared for because I, it may sound like a contradiction, but, but we, uh, we, we feel like, you know what, that's too small, that's too insignificant, that could never lead to great harm. And the devil says, ha ha, gotcha. These little foxes have a tremendous advantage. No one expects them to have much consequence and no one expects them to come in and knock a marriage out of commission or knock a relationship out of commission or spiritually kill a church. They never expect that. So they kind of let it just like I'm walking through the neighborhood now and these foxes just keep popping out all around me and, and I'm just making sure they're not aggressive and if they're not aggressive, then I'm just ignoring them while they're taking all of our bunny population and all of our neighbors that had their annoying cats that they would let out that would go door to door begging food, those cats are not seen anymore. We don't know where they went. Maybe they're just staying indoors. I don't know. But boy, the foxes are there. See, we display the attitude that it's just, little, it's just a little trivial thing. But is it really? In the United Kingdom, in Brit the British, they, they have this sport where they run around the countryside on horseback chasing and attempting to catch a fox, and it's fox hunting. And they will ride all day trying to capture uh, this fox until they either capture it or give up because they have a hard time getting the fox. It's like a, day, a whole day affair, and many times they come up empty-handed because the fox is rather peculiar animal. Did you know that? It derives its name from its tendency to dig underground and to settle in little holes or burrows or, or even to feast on grapevines, as the scripture talks about here. It, it, it is silent. They're, they're very quiet. They're very solitary. Uh, they have an incredible sense of sight and smell and hearing, and, and uh, they exhibit tremendous cleverness over their prey. There's times they will actually, they've been seen to play dead uh, where uh, birds are coming in so that the bird will get closer and, and in striking range and they'll take the bird out. When, when hunting, it's, uh, the, the fox is very cunning, it's devious, and it's capable of misleading the pursuers uh, with the utmost skill. The fox, a very, very talented little thing, and God is using that picture to give us this lesson. It's been considered the emblem of slyness and cunningness and craftiness and mischief. Uh, you know, foxes are fast and slick and they're sneaky. Sounds like I'm describing some of you this morning, but, you know, please forgive me. <laughs> Let me tell another little story. When uh, one time I had reached out to Pastor Adika and I, I, I knew she was going to be my wife and I was like, Lord, just let her know because I'm going to marry her. So, Lord, you got to let her know because I'm going to marry her, you know. And... Uh, so when she, she blessed me. She surprised me here. She came from South Carolina, uh, eight hours. She was with some girlfriends, and they popped in on a Sunday morning service. Well, when I saw her, I get all nervous, and I can't talk. My tongue swells up, and I start perspiring, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And uh, she, uh, um, my, my best friend, was my associate pastor from Bible college and so forth. He was here. Well, he leaned back, and he tells her, and they're talking, and he tells her, he said, Tim thinks you're a fox. 
Well, coming from Romania, that was not a good thing to say. You're slick, you're sneaky, you're cunning, crafty, mischief, you know. So we had to explain that. We went to the Lone Star restaurant afterwards with a group of people, and, uh, and after that, she said, what does that mean? You know, what, what do you think of me? And I said, oh, I meant it, yeah, I said it, but I meant it all good, all good. Okay, <laughs> wow. But the fox is little, they're adorable, they're cute, uh, and, and it's because of its cuteness that you normally won't take it even seriously. You don't realize just how dangerous they are. Uh, it, it's cunning and more dangerous than you could ever imagine. And that's why I believe God is using this analogy to teach us something. Because we tend to underestimate the smaller things in life. But let me tell you what, the atom bomb is very small. They were able to put it on a plane, but yet it brought a whole nation to its knees. I tell you, a flea is very small, small enough, but enough of them can kill a dog. A termite is very small. In the house I used to live in for 12 years that sat on the property, the termites had eaten the whole underside, the whole underside. The, the floors were like a trampoline, and I had this uh, engineer go under, and, and I said, go tell us where we can place uh, uh, pillars or supports or jacks or something. We're falling through. And uh, he comes out and he says, there's nothing to put a pillar up against. There's nothing, there's no floor joists. They're all gone. There's nothing even there. And I said, what do you mean? They built the house with them. He said, yeah, but the termites ate them. The termites had eaten the whole underside of the house. He's little, he showed me one. I said, how can something so small do so much damage? That's the message that the, the, the Lord is showing us here. And Solomon is warning us of the little foxes. So in this passage of Scripture, uh, it's called the principle of little things. And if we ignore the little things, they'll somehow and someday grow up and become the big things and they'll present a great problem. So I'm going to help you avoid the big problems in the future by us identifying the small things and taking care of them in the next few moments because we're not going to overlook them anymore. I once had a backyard, uh, I was uh, given a place to live as part of a job assignment uh, in South Carolina years ago, and, and, and it had this very ugly chain link fence, you can bring that one up now, and this ugly chain link fence, that's not it, but this kind of gives you an idea, so I didn't like the look of, the, I couldn't change the fence, it wasn't my property to do that with, but I could plant some ivy, so I planted some ivy and I started training it to grow on this fence to cover this rusty old chain link fence. And everything was really, it was actually fuller than this picture here. It was really looking good. But I don't know if it was me cooking some fried chicken or me cooking some, some deer meat or whatever, but the neighbor's dog, Rusty, got very curious and wanted to come in my backyard. So he started digging under the fence, and eventually, I didn't know he was doing it, and one day he popped up, and there he is in my backyard. And I said, Rusty, what are you doing over here? How did you get here? So I'd take him around front uh, over to the neighbor and give him back, and I'd go back, and he'd be in my backyard. So we're like, ah, he's dug a hole under the fence, and yes, he did. And the unfortunate thing was where he dug was where the root system was for this vine. And this vine's covering this long length of fence, but it had this little root system. And because he dug up the root, that within a week, the whole fence was dead. Everything was brown and dead. I had fall before it was time for fall. And uh, Rusty was the, was the culprit there. But it was just that little root system that got uh, taken out and it destroyed the whole thing. 
See, little seemingly insignificant things can cause grossly disproportionate damage in our life. Like Adam and Eve taking a little piece of fruit in the Garden of Eden, right? What seemed to be very small in man's eyes was not small in God's eyes at all. And God's Word is teaching us that we must guard ourselves against the little foxes that will do great harm in our life. So let's just look at some of them, identify them, and then let's pray. Let's bring them to this altar, put them on the altar, make sure those foxes don't go home with us, and then we're going to go home in victory. Amen? And here's one of them, a little laziness. The Bible talks about it, calls it out, a little laziness. Proverbs 6 and 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. He's saying laziness spoils the the vine of industry and success. God has created you with purpose and destiny and you will never fulfill what you were created and placed on planet earth to do if you allow a little laziness in your life. Because laziness keeps the entrepreneur's dream in dream mode only. It never becomes a reality. Laziness binds the success of our future and chains it down with immediate gratification. We must push through the enemy's temptation to put a little laziness in our lives. Because lazy person will come to poverty. I didn't say it. God's Word says it. A little laziness grows bigger and bigger over time and the person gets lazier and lazier over time. A little sleep, a little slumber becomes deep, almost catatonic sleep, the Bible says. So I say, wake up, wake up, get out of bed. Get busy before it's too late. Repent if you've been lazy and not doing what God's called you to do and created you to do. You repent, get it under the blood of Jesus, but wake up and let's go forward with, and finish this year strong. Amen. Because we must do that. I remember when we were homeschooling Townsend, uh, it's hard to believe, 22-year bearded guy, used to be this little blue-eyed thing with curly hair, and, and uh, we were homeschooling him, and one of his favorite poems was the poem To Rise, Time to Rise, by Robert Louis Stevenson. He had to memorize it. A birdie with a yellow bill hopped upon my windowsill, cocked his shiny eye and said, ain't you shamed, you sleepy head. He loved that poem. And uh, I shared that in the first service, and a Marine, retired Marine, came to me and said, well, we had a different version in our marches and in the Marine. And I said, well, what was that? And he handed it to me. And this is the USMC marching cadence. A little bird with a yellow bill landed on my windowsill. Lured him in with a crust of bread, then I smashed his little head. So, okay, we got to pray. We got to pray for our Marines to take out the enemy, but not the little bird with the yellow bill. <laughs> but a little, a little laziness. Let us not close out this year not fulfilling what God gave us an assignment in 2019. I'm telling you, let's don't just say, well, next year, later, tomorrow. This isn't going with the wind. This isn't Scarlett O'Hara. Tomorrow, tomorrow. No, today. Today is the day of salvation. Let us rise up and do what God's called us to do. Second little thing is a little folly. 
The Bible says dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. That's not a pretty picture, is it? So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1. A person who has a reputation for wisdom and honor, listen here, can destroy that reputation by one off-color uh, off joke. Let me tell you what. One foolish deed, one ungodly act or attitude. Don't say, ah, well, it's just fun. It's all in fun. Let me tell you what. If, if, it, if it doesn't, if, if it brings dishonor to God, you shouldn't, as a Christian, have it be a part of it. If it's a joke that is not pleasing to the Lord, it's better for you not to laugh at it than to laugh at it because the Bible says if you laugh at it, that that's folly and your honor and your reputation is going to suffer in the long term because of it. Now they'll say, oh, no, he ain't, he ain't all that. She ain't all that. She ain't no Christian. I don't want to be a Christian if they're If that's a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. You ever heard anybody say that? Because of a little folly. A moment's mischief by one little fox of folly can outlast years and years of hard work. So it's better not to do it. One's entire reputation can be destroyed overnight. And let me tell you what, when you build up a reputation of trust, it's, it's harder to build it and sustain it than, than it is to try and rebuild. It's easier to sustain it than it is to try and rebuild it. Why are you talking like that? Why are you watching that? Why are you laughing at that? If, if it dishonors the very principles of God's word. Now, you don't have to be the Pharisee and, and be all self-righteous. I'm not talking about that. But remember, guard your reputation. Because if you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, you want people to, to listen to what you say and watch how you live so they can see an example of Christ. The Bible that many people will read will not be a Bible that is printed on paper, but it will be the Bible lived out in and through your life. And the third thing is a little faith. A little faith is a little fox that will destroy. The Bible says that the grass of the field is here today and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven. He said, uh, will he not much more clothe you? God, take care of you. He does this for the grass of the field. Will he not take care of you? You of little faith. And this word little faith comes from this Greek, uh, two words in the Greek, and it's oligopestas uh, that comes together, and it talks about faith that does not last. So little faith is not a size, it's a length. So this uh, oligopestos is not about size, but it's about length. It is faith that does not last, faith that is easily exhausted, faith that is uh, it's a short-term faith, a short-winded faith. It gets all excited, <clears throat> And let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. God, 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 this is amazing. But before it gets out in the parking lot, it has a little uh, setback. It has a little attitude coming to them from somebody else. And they throw in the towel and they go right back to their carnal nature. Okay, we've got to do this. Now, Jesus tells Peter in Matthew 14 and 31, here's Peter steps out out of 12 disciples. He steps out of the boat when Jesus said, come, and, uh, and he's walking on water. But then he begins to look at the wind and the waves, gets his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sing. And, and Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and he rescues him, but he tells him. He, you, you would think Jesus would say, out of the 12, Peter, look what you did. At least you got five steps or seven steps on the water. No man has ever done this. You're, this is amazing. No, what did Jesus do? He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
Um, a little doubt came in when he started looking at the wind and the waves, got his eyes off of Jesus, and as, as a little doubt will do to you. Let me tell you, we've got to look at God's word. You say, well, this didn't f- uh, fan out exactly like that with this person's life. This is what the word says, but this was their reality. You better keep your eyes on the word. Because all of us have realities that we live and, and, and we have things going on inside us and around us and circumstances that everybody doesn't know about. So you don't need to look at the wind and waves of other people's life. You need to look at Jesus. If you're going to walk on water and if you want to live miraculously, keep your eyes on the word and what Jesus has said and, and keep moving in that direction. Don't be short-winded in your faith. When you step out believing, continue to believe. Even though the wind and the waves keep uh, coming against you, circumstances keep on going. We have to take advantage of opportunities that are afforded to us to, to charge our faith, to recharge our faith. And what does that? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Right now, in this very moment of time, you're hearing the Word of God. And by you hearing the Word of God, your faith is increasing. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 17 says that. And when you read God's Word, read it out loud. I know we like to read and be quiet, but God, you got to hear it. you got to hear it. Read it out loud. There are Bible apps that will read it out loud for you. Come to, I'm going to read it out loud. I'm telling you. Because your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And prayer builds up our faith, the Bible says in Jude 20. So we need to pray. We need to pray, God, strengthen me. God, I, I, I come against, and you need to fight in prayer against every uh, attack of the enemy. Do spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, bringing every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. If it don't line up with what Jesus said, you got to go. You got to go. We've got to work on our faith because little faith, a short-winded faith is going to be like a little fox that's going to cause you to fall short of the glory of God. Then there's a little love. There's a little love. No, Jesus says about the woman who was forgiven for much, she, she, she loved much, but he who sees himself as being forgiven of little loves little. I'm here to tell you, all I got to do is sit down with your mama or sit down with your daddy or sit down with somebody that grew up with you and I can guarantee you we all need forgiveness for much. For much. So if we've been given, forgiven for much, we should love much, right? Don't let pride come in and make you think, well, I've been perfect my whole life. I really don't need forgiveness. You know, what are you talking about? Then you're not going to understand how to love God and to love your neighbor. Jesus said in uh, Revelation 2 and 4, Nevertheless, I have something against you because you have left your first love. So God wants us to love much and not lose our love or leave our first love, and we are to love him and our neighbor. So I ask you, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? He says we're to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? He says, love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Matthew 22 and 37. Now, if you're to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, it sounds like this love thing is very, very important to God. That's why the devil says, I just a little love. Just a little love is okay. No, it's not. And then there's little leaven. He talks about little leaven. 
He uses the analogy of making bread and how you'd put the, 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 the yeast in it that would cause the bread to puff up and to, and to uh, go, you know, be that fluffy bread. He says that, that little bit of leaven, it leavens the whole loaf. That's how a little sin is. A little sin. You know, you think, ah, that's innocent. It's just a little sin. Would you want a little cancer? I came to you and said, you know, here's a, here's a syringe, and it only has a little cancer in it. Not big cancer, just a little cancer. Let me give it to you. You would, you would say, you'd knock me out. I know you would. What if you had some, some drink, and I came in with a little teaspoon and said, uh, this is some powdered-down cow dung, and uh, it's just a little bit, but let me put it in your drink, and you drink it. You say, no. I say, no, no, no. Look, look, look. I'll put such a tiny dusting in there. You'll never taste it. It's just a little bit. How many are you going to drink that drink? But the devil comes in and says, here's just a little sin, just a little lie, just a little fudge, and just a little, you know, skirting of this and skirting of that. We even call it a white lie. Yeah, like that makes it a good thing. Okay. And nonetheless... The devil gets by with it. We're like, yeah, I'll drink that. Yeah, I'll take that little bit of cancer because cancer and sin have a lot of same qualities. They come in and they may seem a little innocent in the beginning, but over time they will bring destruction in your life. So you got, you got to be careful. The Bible says that none of us live unto ourselves or we die unto ourselves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, don't be deceived. The evil company corrupts good habits or good character. Now, now, I grew up in the South. I mean, the South of the South, okay? You get to Myrtle Beach, you're like, wow, past tense from Myrtle Beach. I say that because people have been to Myrtle Beach. They like Myrtle Beach. They know what Myrtle Beach is. Let me tell you what, Myrtle Beach was our destination heaven to go and visit. We go a little further south on 17. You'll get to a, a big, kind of big, it was big to us, called Georgetown. And they've got the international paper mill there, so it smells like Franklin <clears throat> of Virginia. You know, you can smell it. And uh, my my grandfather worked there for 42 years, never missed a day of work in 42 years. And uh, he always said, we'd complain about the smell. And he said, that's a loaf of bread. And we as kids didn't get it. And we're like, man, that's some, I wouldn't eat that bread. That's the stinkiest bread. Yeah. But he, we now know what he meant. But then you leave Georgetown, you get on uh, 52, and then you got to go further out south and southwest and you get into this little town of Andrews had two red lights and they didn't work but we did have them and uh and then it's like wow but that was our city you still had to go like five six miles out on the lanes highway to a little crossroads of earls and there was uncle pharaoh's store he was he was everybody's uncle but he was my blood uncle and his store was leaning over and a tree had grown up and the tree kept it from falling over and anybody going by would say, I'm not going in that building. But we went in there and got our drinks and stuff because we knew Uncle Pharaoh was there and the tree was strong and we were good. But you turned there and then you still had to go into woods to come to the Lambert Farm. So I grew up really, really, really out in the woods, okay? So if you take 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good character. Uh, we had our own translation for that. And it was this, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas, okay? So that's the southern translation of 1 Corinthians 15. You lay down with dogs, you're going to rise up with fleas. So you have to understand a little leaven, even if you're letting that leaven come in through other people who are dragging you down, bad company, the Bible says be careful because it will bring destruction. Then there is that little tongue. James says it's small, it's tiny. He says, but it's like a rudder on a ship. The winds blow, the sails are holding the wind and, and, and being powered to the, to the vessel. 
but none of that determines what port it goes to. The rudder does. The little rudder. The tongue is like a rudder. It's like a little spark that can set, even those fires you've seen of California, looks like the whole mountain, looks like the whole world is on fire, started with one little spark. Okay, he said that's how the little tongue is. And you've got to discipline that tongue because it is small. And let me tell you what, it can bring much destruction. I remember when we were in Bible school, we had break up in study groups and we had to catalog all the kinds of sin in the Bible. Can you imagine that being fun? Okay, we were surprised in our group to understand that the most of the sins, there were more sins associated with the tongue than any other part of the body. Well, it's like, wow, you think sexual sins and all this. But when the Bible speaks of sin, there's more connected to the tongue than any other. Blasphemy and lying and gossiping and cursing and backbiting and, and uh, you know, false uh, witness, all these things. And, uh, and, and words do hurt. Words are dangerous. We shouldn't teach our children sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you because that's not true. I counsel people today, adults, who are still affected by words that were said. Their bones broke, they got healed up, but they're talking about how the words are still crippling them that people said over their lives. we got to be careful what we do with this little member. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Blessing and curses is in the power of the tongue. Amen. Amen. And then I'm going to close with this one, and that is a little gratitude. That little fox, just a little gratitude. Because as we're coming up on the Thanksgiving season, let it not be a one time a year that we're awakened to the fact that we should be living thankful lives. You know, in Zechariah 4 and 10, it says, uh, for who has despised the day of small things? Uh, you know, I, I've met terminal people that got a terminal disease and they say, Pastor, you know, I'm just saying, we're going to pray this thing away. We're not going to accept this. He said, wait, 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 Pastor, before you do that, actually, this, I've been given a great gift. And I'm like, What? And they said, well, you know, suddenly all the little, little things have become so important in my life. I'm taking time to smell the roses and I'm taking time to see the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing the birds sing. I hadn't heard the birds sing in years. And, and I'm savoring every little nuance of life. And, and I'm just so thankful for the privilege of enjoying them. And then I have to shake them. I have to shake them. And I said, we don't have to have a death sentence before we learn to appreciate the little thing. Amen. I mean, I'm glad you're appreciating them now, but let me tell you what. How about let's appreciate them for a longer length of life than this little short death window, death sentence window you've got. See, the wise appreciate family get-togethers. The wise appreciate birthdays and anniversaries and holidays and just date nights. Pastor Rodrigo and I went on a date night this week, and I'm looking at her, and I said, Honey, baby, what you want? And she said, Well, I want me some oysters. And I said, Well, I'll get some crab cakes, and we'll split them because we're at that marriage level where we can split our stuff. You know, when it was early on, I was like a dog. This is my bowl. Don't you look at it. What are you doing? She wanted to reach over, and I was like, You know. And after... 20 years of marriage counseling, I'm finally opening it up now. <laughs> my, my, too many people like brute beasts, they, they muddle through their lives until their death, having never really appreciated the small things. The children, the, the life, the sunrise, the breath that we breathe, the goodness of God, what a great thing. Let me tell you what, to the wise, little things mean much, God says. So let's learn from the wise. 
May we praise God for everything, including the so-called small things. Even though you didn't get the promotion to where you own the company, thank God you still have the position you have where you can influence the company. Amen? Let me tell you what, there's so much to be grateful for. And the Bible said God resents ingratitude. He resents it. Wow. Romans 1 and 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You're like, well, I'm not ungodly and I'm not unrighteous. Wait a minute. Look what he says. He says this. They knew God, but they did not glorify Him, or nor were they thankful. So God is calling ungodliness and unrighteousness of men when even we know God, but we don't glorify Him and we don't give Him thanks. So God calls it unrighteousness. God calls it ungodliness. And He says it opens you up to where you become futile in your thoughts and foolish hearts are darkened because the enemy comes in, that, that little fox comes in. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. If everything gives thanks. And what does it go on to say? For this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that you give thanks. Wow. So these little foxes that destroy, the little laziness, the little folly, the little faith, the little love, the little leaven, that little tongue not going in the right direction, and that little gratitude... These are the ways Satan will bring greater destruction in our lives than coming to the front door and saying, I'm here to fight with you. We'd say, okay, let's fight in the name of Jesus, blood of the Lamb, Word of God, Holy Spirit. You know, we're ready to fight. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'll come slip in the doggy door, the little cat door, I'll slip in as a little fox. It's all cute, innocent looking, but I will bring destruction. And that's what God warns us of. It's the little foxes. Oh, let us identify them. Let us cast them down this day and say, they're not going home with me. They may look cute and all, but they're not going home with me today. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we stand together in this closing prayer, let us pray around this altar. If you've got identified a little fox that the enemy so subtly and so... Uh, stealthily brought into your life or has been trying to come into your life and you want to put it on the altar. You say, I'm not taking it home. The altar was a place that they would bring the sacrifice. It's also a place where things would die. And I don't want this going home with me. I want it left at the altar, taken care of by the work of Jesus Christ. I do not. I want to, I want to be sanctified. I want to be separated from this thing. I want, to, I want to serve you, Jesus, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Won't you just come, just come. We're going to close around this altar. We're going to lay it around the altar. And we'll have a closing prayer. Just come. Just put it on this altar right now. Let me tell you what. Just put it on the altar in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, we come. We're coming. Lord, we identify. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us identify the little things that the enemy is causing in our life that's going to cause the big destruction. The little things, the little tricks, the little, the little innuendos, the little uh, uh, compromises that we're making. No, Lord, we're not, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to sell out to, uh, uh, against you, Lord. We're going to be sold out for you, for you. 
I believe this is a time of rededication and consecration that we would say, Lord, I'm going to give you my all. I hear your call on my life that you want me to live a life that will bring glory and honor to you. And I want to leave here today, God, empowered and equipped and, 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 and filled with your spirit, Lord, uh, in such a way that I can go and advance your kingdom in a mighty way. Lord, I want to bring glory and honor to you. So I bring these foxes. I bring these tricks. I bring these works of the enemy. I bring them and I place them on this altar right now. Go ahead and just place them on this altar. What I bring and put on the altar, I'm not taking home with me, Lord. I'm giving it to you. I don't want this thing, Lord God. I don't want to be using my tongue in that uh, uh, destructive way. I don't want to be uh, living a life within gratitude. In gratitude, not, not seeing and appreciating the loved ones, appreciating my wife, appreciating my husband, appreciating my children, appreciating my parents, appreciating the goodness, appreciating the conveniences that you give us today, Lord God. Lord, we just thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for how good you've made our life. We thank you, God, for what you have done to save us and wash our sins away so that we don't have to carry the weight of our sins. Forgive us, Lord. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that you'll cleanse us. We thank you. We don't have to walk out of here with that weight of, of failure on us. We can walk out of here new. We can walk out of here strong. We can walk out of here renewed by your Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus, we call on your name. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus, I call on you today, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you, Lord God. I cast down all imaginations. I cast down these little foxes. I cast down these little lies. I cast down these little compromises. I cast them down. And I take up, Lord, your mantle to serve you, to live for you, to honor you. I call on your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I declare your Lordship over my life. You, my Lord of Lords. You're my King of Kings. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to live for you. I'm here to honor you. I'm here to be used by you to advance your kingdom. Here am I, Lord God. Send me into this week. Now, God, I pray that as we rise up from this place of prayer and they go in, and we go into this week, Lord God, God, you go before us. You pave the way before us, Lord God. Lord, you go with us by the power of your Spirit. Lord, fill us afresh and anew with your Spirit. Fill us, Holy Ghost. Fill this temple. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your anointing. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your love that we can go and love the way you love that we can go and share the way you've shared that we can go and live the way you've lived Lord empower us by your spirit now as we declare your lordship over our lives and that now God as we go we go to declare your goodness and your mercy and your favor all the days of our life as we go in Jesus name amen and amen praise the Lord hallelujah